you join him in your Bibles today to the book of Genesis, chapter number 1. Genesis, chapter number 1. I've had a terrible struggle with trying to figure out what to preach and when to preach it. And so I decided that we'd just start in the front and then we wouldn't run out of anything to preach. We'd have all of it left, all right? So Genesis chapter number one in your Bible today and then next week we'll also be preaching out of Genesis chapter number one and then next week we'll surprise you again in Genesis chapter number one and uh, then we'll really stretch it out next week and we'll preach out of Genesis chapter one. So if you have any trouble finding it, turn all the way back to the back of your Bible and flip all the way through it to the front and you found Genesis, all right? Well, it's good to see you today, and uh, I believe every portion of God's Scripture, there is a message for the child of God. I believe every page and every bit of the Bible has a message for us, and I've been so blessed to study just these first five verses this week. Follow along with me, if you would, please, and look in your Bible to the book of Genesis, chapter number 1. Abraham Lincoln said, I never behold the heavens filled with stars that I do not feel I am looking into the face of God. I can see how it might be possible for a man to look down upon the earth and be an atheist. But I do not understand how anybody on earth can look up at heaven and not believe there's a God. Abraham Lincoln. The Bible says, in the beginning, God. That's the only time that God ever endeavors to prove that he is. He does not go into great recitation on proving that he is. He just says, I am. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and God said let there be light and there was light and God saw the light that it was good God divided the light from the darkness and God called the light day and the darkness he called night and the evening and the morning was the first day. In the beginning God In Genesis chapter number one, there's one of the most 
God-centered chapters in the Bible. In 31 chapter, in 31 verses, God is mentioned 32 times. Genesis chapter number 1 is the most God-centered chapters in all the Bible. No wonder Satan has got out the heavy artillery to shoot down Genesis chapter 1. If Satan can get you or I to doubt anything in Genesis 1, then we will doubt all the rest of the Bible. The first 12 chapters of the book of Genesis is foundational to everything else the Bible says. Unless you know something about the first 12 chapters of the Bible, you'll not be under, able to understand the rest of the Bible. Notice, if you would please, the Bible mentions the Holy Spirit in verse 2. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. I ask you today, can the Holy Spirit of God be trusted? If he cannot be trusted when he speaks about creation, then can he be trusted when he speaks about salvation? If the Holy Spirit of God cannot be trusted when he speaks about the earth in Genesis 1, can he be trusted when he talks about heaven in Revelation 22? Ever think about that? If the Holy Spirit cannot be trusted in Genesis 1, how can he be trusted in John 3.16? You see, the Holy Spirit comes into view. I ask you today, as a rational, intelligent person, can you look at the facts and conclude that the creation and the universe demands a creator? Whether you believe in evolution or science, faith is required. It takes as much faith to believe that there is no God as it takes faith to believe there is a God. It takes as much faith to believe that everything was created out of nothing as it does to believe that a divine being created everything out of nothing. I need you to think just a little bit now. If I were to take my watch off and take every piece out of my watch and place my watch in my coat pocket, how long would it take for all 
all those parts to evolve into a timekeeping watch again. Takes a lot of faith to believe that the watch would ever keep time again. You see, design demands a designer. I have no problem believing that in the beginning, God. I have less problem believing in the beginning God as in the beginning nothing became something you say preacher what's that got to do with anything is evolution a science are a bad theory. Do they teach it in our schools as theory or as fact? If I was the average high school student, I'd get very angry them telling me that my granddaddy was a baboon or my great-granddaddy was a tadpole. Now, I could believe that about some folk. You see, evolution does not even abide by the rules of science. And yet, they teach our children and us that it is a science. Science has four principles for proof. One, observation. Two, hypotheses. Three, testing, and four, repetition. So if evolution is a science, we ask the questions, did anyone see it? Did someone come up with it? Can it be tested thusly? It cannot be repeated. And yet, our children comes home confused and befuddled about where did their tail go. You look at me like a calf looking at a new gate. You don't know where to run or jump. It's not a science, evolution is not a science, it is not theory, it is a religion requiring great faith and much stupidity. You said, preacher, you're talking about my belief system. Let me explain. Could I explain? Can you explain how a person can deny God's claim as creator in exchange for the belief that something came from nothing? 
exploded into a living organism that fought for survival, eventually turning into a complex, single-celled creature that over two billion years it became a vertebrae and began to swim in a pre-mortal slime, turning into a tadpole, into a frog, into a fish, into an amphibian, into a reptile, into a mammal, into a monkey that bumped his head on something and stood straight up. That's science. You see, Darwin was not the first guy to come up with that sectionist theory. It was first discovered or introduced in 550 by Alexandria of Miletus. He taught that life as we know it began in slimy pools of stagnated water. One day as he walked through the countryside, Alexander came by a stinking pond of water and he bent down to investigate and noticed little creatures swimming in the slime. He came, to back, came back the next day and watched as the little wiggly creatures developed wings and flew off. We call them mosquitoes. That's science. That's your alternative to Genesis 1-1. You either believe what I just said about the slimy pool that developed amoeba, tadpoles, frogs, alligators, monkeys, and professors at TCU. I'll just take the simple route, if that's okay, and I'll believe in the beginning, God. Can you handle that? In the beginning, God. Genesis means beginnings. In the beginning, the world came into being. In the beginning, Genesis speaks of mankind coming into being. Now, I'm sorry they do not describe him as a bent-over hunk of monkey walking around dragging his tail. In the beginning, God created man in his own image. It's the beginning of sin, Genesis is. It's the beginning of sacrifice for sin in Genesis is the beginning of relationships. And so as you study the first 12 chapters of the book of Genesis, we're going to be uh, building a foundation for everything that we believe and understand the Bible to teach. So lest you and I start in 
the book of Genesis, the same place God starts. Notice these words, in the beginning, before time. In the beginning, before matter. In the beginning, before anything and everything. In the beginning, before anything ever happened, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning, God. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. In other words, before the lights were ever turned on, when this world was like most of our lives, dark, void, and darkness upon its face, a glob of nothing, before any of that ever took place, God. God, the eternal being, God, the self-sufficient eternal being, God, the one that needs no help, he was in the beginning. Are you glad of that? You see, he just don't need no help because he is the self-sufficient one in the beginning. Preacher, when was the beginning? That's when time started. When was the beginning? That's when matter, stuff, you could see, took place. Because God needs no matter. Because with God, it just does not matter. Amen. Because a God that is not matter does not need matter because God is spirit. Is that not so? And that's the testimony of our Lord. God is spirit. And so the God that is spirit needs no matter. But he must have thought that you and I might need matter because what we know really matters to God. In the beginning, how long was that? Who cares? How old is the earth? Who cares? How old is a rock? Who knows? <clears throat> well, the earth is 6,000 years. Okay, good. You might say it's 10 billion years. Good, that's fine. I don't care. You know why? Because I'm kind of like God. It just don't matter. I just know, in the beginning, God. I like that, don't you? Don't tell me how old a rock is. Don't tell me if you think a rock can grow. Because that just don't matter. Because if there's no matter, it just don't matter in you. Amen. And it didn't matter till you and I became a reality. Until God breathed into Adam the breath of life. I can believe that a lot better than I can that some of your folks, great, great granddaddy was a tadpole. Amen. I like that, don't you, in the beginning? 
Uh, my second point is, in the beginning, God. That's real tough, isn't it? In the beginning, God. Notice what he said. Very early, in fact, at the very dawn of creation, it said, in the beginning, and it brought somebody into view very early in history, God. You see, the Bible is not geocentric. Geo, coming from the word geography, meaning earth. The Bible is not earth-centered. It not even is man-centered. If it was, it would say, in the beginning, man. In the beginning, earth. Didn't say that. What did it say? Somebody tell me. In beginning, what? God. Wonder why God did that so early in the book. Four words into the Bible, and it says God. I wonder why he did that. Maybe it's because God's the center of that thing. Maybe it's because God is the center of everything. Maybe it is because God wants your thinking to be centered on God and our focus to be on God. But it didn't take long, just three chapters, till man changed focus. And he changed focus and began to look at earth and not God. That's where our problem is. We changed focus. And God knew that if we kept our focus on God, everything would be all right. But he also knew the minute we change our focus and get it off of that one that comes very early in the book, God, he knew that we'd get in trouble. When you are, when you're more apt to act like an ape, when you take your mind and eye off God, when you start looking to this world and worrying about the world and environmental pressures and, and cl- climate change and start worrying about all of that, take your mind off God, you've got a problem. Have we not got a problem? Probably the only time some of us thought of God is this morning walked in God's house. We've been worried all week long about the earth and things going on in the earth and everything that's around us. Come on now, I need an amen. In the back of our mind is God, but our mind is on something else. Very early. God shows up. Notice the word God in the Bible here, and it'd be hard to look at the word God because throughout the Bible there are many names for God. But in this particular case, and just so happen, if you please, isn't it amazing how accidental things happen in the Bible? As if God had nothing to do with them. 
When you look at the Hebrew word for God, mentioned here, the word is El, meaning strength, power, mag magnificent, mighty. El always means God. Bethel, house of God. El, Hebrews, God, mighty, strong, powerful. And you add Ohim, meaning creator. Plural in the Hebrew, indicating that God in creation is a trinity, not a single God. Have you read John 1 lately? Because in John 1 it proclaims and in Colossians 1 it also states that there's somebody else involved in creation besides God the Father. It says, in the beginning was the Word. You remember that verse? And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, And the Word became flesh, and, beheld, and we beheld His glory, as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. So God the Father was present at creation. And the Bible says in John 1 that Jesus was a creator, and Paul said in Colossians 1 that he was a creator. Look at verse 2, if you would please. In the latter part of the verse, And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep, indicating that the Holy Spirit of God was there also. Would you please turn with me to verse 26 of chapter 1 and let me make that a little better. You see here's the first thing you need to realize about a cult. The first identifying mark of a cult is they deny the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One God, three personalities. I don't care who it is, if they deny the Trinity, they are antichrist. They were on a cult. Verse 26 in your Bible, if you please, verse 1 of chapter 26. I mean, chapter 26, verse somewhere in the Bible. <laughs> chapter 1, verse 26. Look at this. And God said, let us, not be. Let us make man in our image and our, not my, likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And again in Genesis 3 and verse 22, the reference God says is to our, not mine, indicating for you and I today that in creation morning, and when God stepped out on the ledge of nothing and spoke, 
It was a triune God that did that. Let us. Verse 22 of chapter number 3. And the Lord said, Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of what? Indicating that God is a triune, all-powerful, all-sufficient, self-sufficient creator of the universe, plus nothing, minus nothing. Does anybody believe that? Elohim, 1 John 5 and 7, says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one. So we believe that the triune God in the beginning you like that? Chapter 1 declares that Elohim's existence is very much alive. In chapter number 1, the word created is mentioned four times. The word God said is mentioned ten times. The words God saw are mentioned seven times. The word God called is mentioned three times. The word God made is mentioned three times. The word God divided is mentioned two times. The word God blessed is mentioned two times. The word God set is one time and God moved is mentioned one time. Elohim, the triune God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, stepped out on the ledge of nothing and spoke. And it all came to be. You say, that's hard to believe. Well, try your tadpole story. Take your amoeba to the barn and see how long it takes that booger to re evolve into a man like some of you folks sitting around here. You say, preacher, that's hard to believe. You know, Elohim... God's existence completely destroys atheism and the theory of evolution. Colossians 1, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, principalities, or powers. All things were created by him. I like that, man. Hebrews 1, verse 10 through 12, And the Lord in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of his hands. I like that. Hebrews 11, 13, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. I like that. Don't tell me about your theory of evolution, because I believe all things were made by Him, and without Him, not anything was made. Does anybody believe that? 
Man, you ought to be standing up shouting, praise God, hallelujah. My daddy was not a baboon. My granddaddy acted like it, but he wasn't a baboon. In the beginning, God. My last point is created. That's something, man. In the beginning, in the beginning, God. How many folk believe that? Well, say amen, doggone it, if you believe that. In the beginning, God did what? Create. Ain't that something? Just flat out created. The Bible declares that the earth and the universe did not just happen by chance. Just, just our universe, just the Milky Way, just where we are, is expanding millions of times per hour. The Earth is traveling through space at 60,000 miles an hour. Hadn't missed a lick. See, I also believe that not only did God create it, but God upholds it. And he's in control. Now, I, I just, you know, I can't get a hold of this thing that everything just happened by chance. I can't get a hold that by some random accident that some would believe, have us to believe that all this came to pass by accident. By some participle or force, some matter of energy that exploded, that life began in a stagnated mass of slime that life started there. I can't get a hold of that all of this is just a matter of energy and some element or electrical impulse or some atom, proton, neutron, electron, chemical gas or anything else I, I can't believe it boom and we're here boom and your eye became an eye that's able to see thousands of miles boom don't you wish the computer had happened that way? Wouldn't it be nice if the gases were right in your house one day, boom, and you had a brand new laptop? That's evolutionary theory. That's what they telling our teachers, you've got to teach to our kids. 
Boom. Isn't that something? You see, according to natural law, I got one minute. Now they're starting to put the message up there saying, you're done, dummy. JT, would you take that? Oh, okay, I see what I did, JT. We're creatures of time and natural laws. And so what I've been talking to you about in the beginning, God, for us, it's kind of hard to let that sink in. For example, let me give you an example. God came from nowhere because there wasn't anywhere for him to come from. He stood on nothing because there was not anything for him to stand on. He reached out into nowhere and caught something where there was nothing to catch and hung it on something that was not there for nothing to hold on to, and it stayed there. I probably need to say that again because it went over some of his head. I know. The Bible declares for you and I today that God deliberately and intentionally created the heaven and the earth. According to Einstein's laws, before there was any energy or matter in the universe, there could not have been any time or space. So before there was energy in the universe, before there was matter in the universe, God was there. And God did something real amazing. Do you know the only thing that God created on the first day was light? God stepped out of eternity, stepped into time, and turned the light on. Because the earth was without any form. She was void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the God of all eternity had a plan. The plan was just not for earth to become tangible in matter. The astronaut, as he went through space, way out there he looked back and he said, the only green thing in the universe was earth. The only place 
in the universe that is so uniquely designed and uniquely created with just the right gases, the right distance from the sun, and the right distance from the moon, with the right crust that would not absorb all of the oxygen, the only place in all the universe that was uniquely designed and created for life was the earth. And in these few verses, God just stepped out of darkness, out of eternity, turned the light on. Time began. Light. Light. Turn the light on. You mean God has more plan for the earth than just weeds and grass and trees and dinosaurs and tadpoles? You mean to tell me that God just stepped out. You know, if you step into a room and it's dark, you just don't flip the switch just to watch the light. You turn the light on because there's something in the room you either need or want to do. How many of you just go through the house turning the lights off and on just to see the light? You think you're smarter than God? God walked out of eternity into time, turned the light on, because he needs a plan. He's got a plan, a divine plan. This is the divine light. It is not the moon and the sun. Moon and stars are not created until the third day. This light's different. This light is very different. In fact, John says, Jesus spake, Again to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Really. And he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. God turned the light on to reveal his plan. The Bible says in John 1, chapter number, uh, verse number 4, And Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. God turned the light on to reveal his plan for you. What was his plan for you? He knew that you would be born a sinner. He knew that Adam would lose the ball game. He knew that Adam and Eve would not be in the final four. <laughs> he knew they'd drop the ball, and they did, did they not? But the light, the divine light, came into the world to light and show the way to all men, how that they can once again come into fellowship with God. And Jesus died, did he not? 
and died for man in your sins. And he was buried, did he, was he not? And he arose the third day. Oh, by the way, what day of the week was that? And verse 5 says, And the evening and the morning was the first day. What a coincidence. That in the beginning, before there was anything, God had a plan. Man, that ought to make a cue ball shout. I'll be Baptist jumping and screaming and praising God. I've seen the light. <laughs> what a coincidence. He arose on the same day of the week that he turned the light on. You say, preacher, I don't see that. You need to come to the light. And Jesus is the light. And he that walks in light shall not walk in darkness. For the light was life. And loves 